Last week, we looked at the opening verses of 1 Timothy, which is a letter that Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy. And the main point that Paul tries to make from the very beginning is this. The gospel matters. It is important. You need to guard the gospel. He says there are a lot of false teachers, not just outside of the church, but within the church, who are teaching different doctrine, different truth, that are misleading people, that are confusing things. They're creating division within the church. So guard the glorious gospel of our blessed God. That's kind of the message that he sends to his spiritual son, Timothy, who is a young pastor doing ministry within the midst of a struggling church. And he kind of explains how glorious and wonderful the gospel is in today's passage. So look at what he says in verse 12. He says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. So Paul is thankful for Jesus for three reasons. He is thankful for Jesus because Jesus gives him strength. He is thankful for Jesus because Jesus had considered, judged him faithful and trustworthy. Although he doesn't deserve it, Jesus considers him in such a way. And it also says he's thankful for Jesus because he was called to do the work of the ministry. He was appointed by Jesus. Now, in the United States, we know that the president has the power to appoint certain people into different positions in different offices. We know that secretaries, deputy secretaries, head of different independent agencies, judges of Supreme Court, ambassadors, all these different positions are filled by the appointment of the president. And now, if you are appointed by the president, maybe you received a call after today's service, and, and it's the president of the United States, and he says, well, I want you to serve in this specific position. You'll be honored. You'll be thrilled by that calling. Why? Because you know that not everyone gets to be appointed into those different offices or positions. You know that you need experience. You need education. You need accomplishments. You need to have good character. All of these different things come into play. You need to be qualified for that particular field and position. But what about Paul? He says that he was appointed by Jesus to serve Jesus. He was appointed as an apostle. He was appointed to be a foundational figure of the early church. He was appointed so that he would go on and write 13 books in the New Testament, more than any other biblical author. He would go on to be a missionary to the Gentiles and carry out the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. What about Paul? What was his qualification? Why was he appointed by Jesus? So imagine Paul being in front of a group of people, just like you know, someone who's appointed by the president will stand before the Senate and in a hearing, and the Senate will ask, well, give, give us some background. Give us uh, some, some knowledge about yourself. So so what did you do? Why do you think you're fit for this position? And imagine there's a heavenly council uh, that's trying to figure out who's right to carry on the work of God's ministry. And Paul is right there, and he's asked the question, so what's your background? And this is what he says in verse 13. Well, formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and insolent opponent. The moment you say that, you can imagine the room being complete silent. Because Paul is simply saying that, that he's a sinner of sinners. 
a blasphemer, someone who would speak evil against Jesus Christ, someone who would tweet all day how he hates Christ and he hates the church, how, how crazy Christians are, how bogus the gospel is. Like, you don't want to mention the name of Jesus in front of Paul because not only does he speak evil against Christians, but his actions are evil against Christians. He says not only is he a blasphemer, but he's a persecutor. And that's not an over-exaggeration. When Paul stands before Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, verse 11, he says this. As a public testimony, he says, Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have Christians punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities and other places he mentions how it didn't matter whether it was it was it was guy or girl if someone was a christian he would go after them it also says in acts chapter 8 that paul was the one who approved the execution of stephen who was stoned to death because of his faith it also says out of fear people fled because persecution arose and it says in acts chapter 8 verse 3 saul who who, how he was called uh, at that time among the Jews, Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So this is his resume. He says that I was a blasphemer and I was also a persecutor of the church. I hated Jesus and I hated Christians who would follow Jesus, I, I thought they were crazy, and they were leading people to astray, that were dishonoring God, and as a result, my ultimate goal in life was to destroy the church and destroy Christians. And to summarize this all, he says, I was an insolent opponent. Now, that's the word that we don't use that often. If you look up this word, especially in its Greek, it means this, a person who's capable of doing the most insulting humiliating, violent act towards someone who's opposing him. That's the definition. So this person is willing to do whatever it takes to destroy his opponent, and he doesn't feel guilty or bad about it. Like, the violence is justified in his heart. It's like they deserve all this. So he was persecuting the church, Christians, and deep down inside, he truly believed that they deserve all this. Everything. And so that's what he says this is my basis. This is my past. Like before I was appointed by Jesus Christ. So what is Paul's basis for appointment? There is no basis. There is nothing within him that deserves to be in a specific position to serve Jesus. He doesn't have the perfect resume as an apostle or a missionary. In fact, he has the perfect resume for hell. He is a great sinner, an enemy of God who hates the church, who hates Jesus Christ. He was passionate about hunting down Christians. He was the last person that you would expect to see in heaven. But then, why was Paul appointed to be a servant of Jesus Christ? Why was he called to do the work of the ministry? Notice what, it's, what he says in verse 13, in the middle of verse 13. He begins to explain really the basis of of his calling. He says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So two words he mentions, mercy 
and grace. Mercy, meaning that I did not receive what which I deserve. Grace, meaning that I received something that I do not deserve. I deserve wrath. I deserve punishment. I deserve eternal damnation. And yet, I did not receive that out of mercy. However, I received salvation, the righteousness of Christ, all the things, the blessings in Christ, which is something that I did not deserve. So mercy and grace was evident in my life. He actually says it was overwhelming. It was overflowing in me. The picture that we have here is a river. And around the river, there are people living, you know, so that they can have water, have life there. And when a river overflows, it just consumes everything around it. It doesn't matter how tall or big or strong your building is. When a river overflows, it destroys, covers everything. And the same way, Paul says, I built my life in a certain way. And when God's grace and mercy overflowed in my life, all that did not matter. It was completely covered with God's grace and mercy. Despite me being a great sinner, God's mercy and grace was greater. And that's why we see, sing earlier in that song, you know, our, our sins, they are many, but his, his, his mercy is more. So the first point I want to make from today's text is this. God's mercy and grace allows us to receive the gospel. God's mercy and grace allows us to receive the gospel. Now, I have to make it very clear that Paul, he is not proud of his past. He's not boasting in his past saying that, hey, look at how bad I was and now I'm such a new person. No, that's not the way that he's speaking in this text. He's not talking about his grace and his mercy so that he can prove that he's innocent, so that he can prove that he's not guilty before God. That's not his point. He knows that he's undeserving of salvation or anything that he had received from Jesus. He knows that he doesn't qualify to be a worker of the gospel. He's not trying to prove a point saying that, well, I was acting in ignorance and unbelief. I didn't have the knowledge and I had no idea what I was doing. Therefore, I'm an innocent. Um, No, he's not justifying his actions or his past sins. He's simply sharing an incredible testimony saying that our sins are great, but God's mercy is more. He's simply saying that although my past was like this and I still don't feel good about it, but one thing I can't deny is the fact that God's mercy and grace, it frees me from my past. It doesn't erase my past. It frees me from my past. It gives me a new beginning. Like if the judge declared me innocent, then I'm not just going to stay in that, judge, the, that, that, that court and say, no, but I'm, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. No, I'm not going to do that. I just end up walking away as a new person with a new life. So you recognize that he's not boasting in his past. He's simply boasting in God's grace and mercy that is able to overcome his past. Also recognize that you can be incredibly religious and still be incredibly lost. The reason why Paul was so passionate about destroying the church was because he was so passionate about God. And you can be so passionate about God, passionate about coming to church. You can be the most religious person that you can be and do everything right and do all these good works and still be incredibly lost. You can lack the knowledge of salvation. Why? If you see God but you don't see Jesus, you are missing the points. 
what Paul is saying is just honoring God, knowing that God exists, having a passion for God is not good enough. What it boils down to is my commitment to Jesus, my faith in Jesus Christ. Because if you have a passion for God, and if you have a passion to honor him, and yet you miss out on Jesus, you become like the Pharisees. You become like Paul, who is going after the church. So it doesn't matter how long we attended church. It doesn't matter if we were raised in a Christian household. The question that we have to answer today is, what do we make of God's mercy and grace on a personal level? Because Paul says, I was saved not based on good works. I was saved not based on how strong my passion was for God. I was saved based on the sheer grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's mercy and grace allows us to receive the gospel. And in case you are wondering what the gospel is, he gives us a beautiful, concise summary of the good news of Jesus Christ in verse 15. Um, It's hard to find a better summary of the gospel in the Bible. It says this, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now we can spend all day just looking at this verse, but I just want to highlight a couple things about the gospel, good news of Jesus Christ. It says the gospel can be trusted. It is trustworthy. It is true. It's not something that changes over time. It's not something that is shaky, that, 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 that becomes one thing or the other over time, but it's simply saying that this is something that you can hold on to. You can trust it. It's not an idea, a myth. It is God's saving work rooted in history, which is evident in the witnessing work of Scripture and the apostles. The gospel is trustworthy. It is true. The second thing that we see about the gospel is it must be received. The gospel has to be received by people. It says that this deserves full acceptance. So you just can't agree with it. You have to fully accept it. And it's whole. It demands faith and commitment. It's not just, okay, I intellectually agree with this fact, but you embrace it with your whole life. That's what it means to, 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 to really accept it in its fullness. We also see that the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. Paul talks about who Jesus is. He says Jesus is Christ. The word Jesus, the name literally means God saves. The word Christ is the Old Testament word Messiah, which means the appointed person, the anointed one, the one that was promised. And God, he came in the flesh and he lived a life as the Messiah, a perfect life that we could not live. He he became the perfect sacrifice once for all. And he paid the ultimate price on behalf of our sin, something that we could not do in our own because we are guilty, that we are simple before the Lord. Everyone has gone astray, went to their own ways. We are all short of God's glory. And yet the Bible tells us that the work of Jesus and the person of Jesus fulfills the promises of Jesus and it fulfills the wrath of Jesus, the punishment of of God. And so that we can believe in him and not perish mercy but receive eternal life, grace. What you deserve and I deserve is to be perished, but we don't receive that in Christ's mercy. Instead, we receive eternal life, something that we do not deserve, grace. So mercy and grace allows us to receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the gospel, it makes you humble. 
the more and more you embrace the gospel, the more and more you become humble. Just look at what Paul says at the very end as he's talking about sinners. He says, by the way, I'm not pointing to anyone else. I'm looking at my life, and I'm the worst of sinners. That's what he's saying. If there's anyone who needs salvation, it's me. So God's mercy and his grace allows us to receive the gospel. He says, Paul says, it's not the superior IQ that I have or the special training I received. I have been appointed by Jesus and saved by Jesus on the grounds of his mercy and his grace. The second thing that we see in today's text is this. God's mercy and grace calls us to live for the gospel. Not only do we receive the gospel, it calls us to live for the gospel. Look at verse 16. It says this, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So when you believe in Jesus, you're not just making a personal decision to embrace Jesus as your Savior, but you are making actually a choice to follow Jesus as your Lord, that you're embracing him as your commander-in-chief. That's the statement that you're making, and you're simply saying that I don't live for myself anymore. I'm appointed by Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my master, so my life is not really about me anymore. My life is about Jesus. That's a statement that Paul is making. So if you are appointed by Jesus, Jesus, your allegiance, it belongs to Jesus. You just don't do stuff according to your own knowledge or your preferences, but you listen to your commander in chief. God saves us for our good, for our salvation, but also he saves us for God's glory. Notice that it says the reason why I was saved, I received mercy, is because Jesus Christ, he might display his perfect patience as an example for others who are being saved. So God wants to reach others through your redeemed life. God wants to impact others through your salvation. Your salvation, it benefits you, but also it's a blessing to others. So we receive grace, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others. And this is huge because a lot of times when we talk about serving a lot of people will respond, well, I'm not ready to serve. I don't feel like I'm equipped to serve. I'm not good enough to serve. I don't know enough to serve. And what the Bible is telling us today is this. Well, God never chose you and appointed you because you are good enough or you knew enough. The reason why God chose you is so that he can display his patience in your life for others. And so if you feel inadequate, weak, unable to serve God, that you feel like you don't deserve this position, you're, you're right. And the reason why God chose you is because of that. So that by transforming you, by shaping you, but as you are trusting in the Lord, as you're responding to his, his calling to serve him with your life, you're experiencing his mercy and grace, his patience through and through, that you're becoming more turning into his likeness, becoming more like Christ in your life. And while that's all happening, people are wondering what is going on with that person. And they're seeing the perfect patience of Jesus displayed in your life. Your life becomes a testimony for others. That's why you should never shy away from an opportunity to serve others for the Lord. Because it's good for you, but also God, what he's trying to do is not display your own glory, um, but he's trying to display his glory through 
your life. So God's mercy and grace calls us to live for the gospel. And the last thing that we see is that God's mercy and grace, it fills our heart with praise. It fills our heart with praise. The last thing that Paul does is this, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Paul goes from someone who is a sinner of sinners to someone who is living for the gospel, for the glory of God. And every single moment, even when he is writing this letter, he's putting a break. He's like, man, let me just stop and and praise God. He's not writing this line to impress Timothy. He's writing about his personal story, and he has to stop and say, by the way, just looking back at this again, I told this story a million times, but wow, how great is God, that he is the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, and to him all honor and glory be forever and ever. Now, you might think, well, Paul, he has a pretty crazy story, conversion story, like, his story is so dramatic, I just grew up within the church. For me, I just went to a youth retreat. Nothing dramatic happened. Um, you might be wondering that, and it's true. Paul, his conversion story is quite dramatic. Like, he goes from a sinner to a forgiven sinner. On the road to, as he was going to Damascus to persecute Christians, to destroy the church, that's when he was struck in a way that he goes blind, he sees this bright light, he hears a voice, from Jesus, says, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And from there, God sends this messenger so that Paul can hear the gospel, and he embraces, and he's transformed by the gospel. His eyes are open, not just his physical eyes, but his spiritual eyes are now open. He has this incredible encounter with Jesus. His life is not the same, but notice when Paul is sharing about his personal testimony, his focus is not about, oh, man, I, I, I want to share how bad it was when I wasn't able to see for three days. Or I, I want to share how bad it was when I was, wasn't able to eat anything or, or how crazy his voice was. No, he's not talking about that experience. Notice in his testimony, all he's talking about is God's overwhelming, overflowing grace in Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, let me talk about Jesus here. And this Jesus is quite incredible. He's not talking about his own experience, his own encounter with Jesus, but he's sharing what he believes, that it's, what he believes about Jesus and what is true about Jesus. And our testimony ought to be the same. I mean, the backdrop is different, but the content ought to be the same. That we come in different ways. We lived in different lives. But one thing that is similar about all of us is that we were sinners before God, before a holy God that we all go our own ways, that we would reject God, that we would go out of our ways under the umbrella of religion sometimes to, to, to destroy other people, that we are violent in our words, we are insensitive to the work of God a lot of times, and yet for some crazy reason, although we deserve nothing of, of, of God, although we had no reason to be appointed and saved by God, God came to us, Jesus showed up in our life, and somehow that message that you heard before, all of a sudden, it makes sense, it clicks. You realize how worse, of, how bad of a sinner you are. At the same time, you realize how beautiful Jesus is, and how wonderful the gift of salvation is, and you commit your works and your life to Jesus Christ, and you say simply, 
You are now my commander-in-chief. You are my savior. I would rather do nothing. I will simply want to serve you for the rest of my life. That's all to be our story. Instead of embracing when or where or how, we have to embrace the person who saved us, who is Jesus Christ. And my prayer today is that you and I will be overwhelmed by God's grace and his mercy so that we'll be saved, so that we'll be embracing the appointment that we received as his disciples, as his messengers, that we would embrace the, the glorious praise that is given to us, that we live a life that's honoring to God, not to us. And that through all this, that our prayer is that many people will come to know Jesus and be saved. So let's pray and let's respond.